General Planning Podcast takes you backstage and explores the world of planning and strategy development. We will get you into the minds of successful leaders and executives in our government and industry and hear firsthand how they made some of America's most historic decisions. I'm your host, Mark Lavin, the Director of Strategy, Plans, and Policy at Army North. And I'm here with Seth Barham, the Public Affairs Operations Chief. Join us as we learn about planning and strategy from our nation's best. Welcome back to the General Planning Podcast. I am Mark Lavin, your host, and with me is Seth Barham. And today we're going to talk about strategic communications and bringing solutions to life. I know that strategic communications has been a bit of a a sticky topic in the military and military planning world over the last decade or two, particularly when you overlay on top of that the, the regulations involved with conducting military tasks, specifically things like information operations. So I think it's important, therefore, that we distinguish very clearly what we're going to deep dive into today in terms of strategic communications. And what that is, is what we're really talking about is telling the story. What is that 30-second elevator speech that that hits the high points and all those those specific takeaways to the people that you want to communicate, the hours and days and weeks even of specific uh, initiatives for planning and strategy development that have solved what could be very complex challenges uh, that you're facing as a planner. And today, I'm very excited that we have an expert in this field on today, a former commander and mentor of mine, retired three-star general, which is a lieutenant general, Les Smith. Hey, sir, welcome to the podcast. Hey, good to be here, guys. I'm fired up. All right, so great. So Les is currently the vice president for leadership and education at the Association of the United States Army. For our listeners, AUSA is a major advocacy group for the Army, its service members, and our families. And so Les brings 38 years of service that began as an artilleryman in the Georgia National Guard. Uh, He has held command and staff positions at every level of the military. He was a battalion commander during Operation Iraqi Freedom and then commanded the 20th Chemical, Biological, Radiological, Nuclear, and Explosives Command, so 20th Seabernie, which is uh, a very specialized group with a global mission, and most of their tasks are very much no-fail. He has worked budget and policy in the Pentagon and finished out his career as the Inspector General of the United States Army, and we are really glad that he could join us today. And where I'd like to really start, sir, maybe is just tell us a little bit about AUSA, how you define strategic communications, and what are some of those big rocks that you guys are moving around over there? Yeah, that's good. Thanks. I'm I'm, I'm happy to be here with both of you guys today. And here at the Association of the United States Army, our job is to educate, inform, and connect our army to its people and our people to its army. And uh, we really do that via a lot of different ways. We do it for the leadership education programs part where I work. We do it through meetings and membership and we do it through NCO and soldier outreach. So uh, if you think about everything that our army does, one thing that we don't do a great job of is telling our story. So our job is to help tell the story of the army and we do it via what we're doing today via podcast as an option. We do it via papers. We do it via the symposia. The Army Association of the United States Army uh, annual meeting has 30,000 people. So if you haven't signed up for it yet, we want you to come out in October and come see your Army friends. It's like a homecoming. So we do other symposia, one in in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, another one in the Pacific to talk about the concerns in the Pacific, which we know that's a strategic communications challenge in itself. Then we also do one at Fort Bragg, uh, now Fort Liberty, 
focus on the soldier. And, and it's really a lot of fun that we do all of those conferences there. For me, my army story is unique, but not because I started to do the same things that we all came to do to, to, to protect and defend the constitution of the United States against our enemies, both foreign and domestic. But we just didn't know that was the case when we first raised our right hands. Yeah, that's great. Yes, sir. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And so actually, if, if I can actually get you to pull the string a little bit more. Sure. So the Army's birthday is coming up this week. So two, we turned 248 and I'm telling the story, but it's also personal stories. And so as you reflect back to, so your family's, you and your family's contribution to that 248 year history, you know, what are some instructive experiences that you have had or some challenging yeah. circumstances that you would want to talk about how you got to where you are today? Yeah, that's a book in itself. But I, I will tell you that we all come from where we come from. So my my from Atlanta, Georgia, originally, my mom and dad are from Mississippi. But for me, my dad died when I was five years old. Being a, a, a five-year-old and then having an older sister and then a brother who was my wife, my mom was still pregnant when my father passed away. To see where we are today, I, I say that because the village is so important. So the village for me was that extended family in Columbus and Mombayu, Mississippi, that showed us what those options and opportunities were for us to excel. That that village was that the church that we that was right next to the high school that we all three went to. That village was the parochial elementary school that we still haven't figured out how our mom paid for that because you know it, it wasn't free for all three of us to go to that school. It helped a little bit that we were five years apart or four years apart for school purposes, but it set us on a foundation to be to be blessed where we are. And I think that's the reason why, you know, I served for as long as I did. But my sister, who's four years, nine months older than me, served in the Marine Corps. And my brother, who's five years and three days after me, younger, served in the in the Army for four years because we believe in this thing about service. And I think on the point of strategic communications, we have to, we're going to say something, but we have to have a, be thoughtful, especially as leaders about how we communicate what we want to do, because that's the biggest thing that we do every day. You're going to communicate each day, but the question is, what message are you sending? Because if you say nothing, that's a message in itself. That's a great point, sir. I think that's, and that, that really ties, I think, to the tensions that used to exist in terms of, you know, delivering a narrative, delivering a message to try to change or shape an environment versus react to something that's heard in the past. And I think that's interesting how you said that. Now, your father, he was a Korean War veteran, if I recall. He correctly. was. That's right. And so when you talk Korean about the, the village, I guess the outputs of that village raising such tremendous service to the country, I want to say thank you for your entire family service and then even the sacrifice that your family's made to our country. Do you think that, was there something about what he did with his time in the Korean War or was there something that the village lifted him up in your community that that really exemplified what it is that, and, and really drove you and drove your mission over a 38-year period? Yeah. I, I will tell you, we, we were just on with the Director Army staff doing our, our own AUSA podcast, which everybody should listen to. The, this is great. We have a lot of fun every other week. But they were drafted. I don't, I don't know a lot of my dad's history and his time in the Korean War, other than he the, he went. But we knew who he was via our uncles and aunts that said, Hey, this is the stock you come from. And so they were all drafted. I have uncles who were in, in World War II, s several that were in Vietnam, 
but they were drafted and they went in to do the mission that they were called to do. And, and the fact that, that there were high expectations set for us because your last name was Smith. I learned about business from my, one of my uncles named Calvin Smith and they called him Smitty. Are you Smitty's nephew? Yeah. So my, <laughs> right. my first haircut came from Smitty's barbershop. My first junk meal came from Smitty's snack shack, all those things. And he had a farm. And I had another uncle who was a, a third degree black belt, another uncle who was who, coming from Mount Bayou, Mississippi, something for your listeners to Google, which is in the Mississippi Delta had, they had 10 children, wow. seven, seven boys and three girls, maybe six or four. I think it's seven and three, but they all grew up in that small house and they all excelled because they were taught values. They worked hard and there were great expectations set for them which I think is so important. That's another form of a strategic communication because they knew they there were expectations for them to do something greater. Like that uncle who was had a PhD in mathematics from Boston University, who was a dean at Auckland State University in Lower Mississippi. I think we all have the potential for greatness. We just have to be shown the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question there, sir, or at least a it's a fascinating story in terms of your background. I did not know a lot about that, just, just from my time serving with you. But if I can ask you maybe just a, a quick question, you brought up about the draft. So as you see, and as AUSA understands or tries to carry that Army story, mm-hmm. how different is it with an all-volunteer force? And then as you look at those challenges that we're facing today, how do we have to shift or change what it is that, that we're trying to communicate to, to hit that target audience? Yeah. I think we just have to tell our story just like we're doing today. We, you and Seth and I, our families have to tell our story of why we decided to serve because I I teach leadership at Georgia Southern and not to RTC students, but to the college of business. Every young person that I talk to after the classes, they may not say it in a larger group, but after the class, they always come up and say, Hey, I want to do something like that. And it just doesn't have to be military service. They had to find what they're called to serve. I think the pandemic did a lot of this. I think the what happened with the uh, civil unrest, the what happened with uh, George Floyd, all of those things are areas that I think caused us to people to look into what's really important. Uh, I think September 11th did that a few years ago. That's where we saw so many people uh, come in. Excuse me. So many people come into the military because they wanted to have a sense of purpose. So now we owe it to today's generation to show what we know works. We know that military service works. We know that helping other people achieve their goals works. We know that sometimes that there's opportunities to do things that might not be glamorous, but it's, it serves you as a stepping stone to to be where you're, you're called to be in the future. And to really answer your question, I'm not concerned as long as we we continue to communicate and we just don't put it on our recruiters to do it. Just like I guess I said, you and I and Seth all have to get out and tell our story because we know how good it was for us. Yeah, that's a great point, sir, right there. It's not something that we just put on the shoulders of, the, of recruiters. The recruiters are probably about halfway through the process, right? This is a yeah. it's a lifelong story and, and it's important. It's an important story to tell. And as you mentioned, into the future. So thinking about the future, I don't know how much time you, you get to spend, a, to spend on it. What do you think in terms of where the Army should be in just five or six years from now, 2030? We talk about you know, Army 2030. Army Futures Command is looking now into 2040. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, yeah, we talk about that a lot. That's what we do. We take the things that the Army's talking about it and we amplify it. 
So we do it on my, I have a whiteboard up here and I've been here a little over a year now. Everything that we do should be focused on the things that our army senior leaders are talking about. And I'm not saying every leader should understand that, but our job is to take the podcast, the papers, the senior executive roundtables, the noon reports, the hot topics, the spotlight papers, all the symposia, and it should go back to what the secretary and chief are talking about, the six priorities, all the modernization things that, that we're doing. And it's really about how we continue to tell the story because we know it's a good story, but it just takes so much time. That's one thing I've learned in the building, so much time to get that information out to the force and really to the general public. No, I think that's a great point, sir. I think it does take time. I think the other thing that we're up against in terms of telling that story is we're really having to communicate through a worldview that's been shaped by 20 years of of conflict in Afghanistan and Iraq. And as we're looking towards it, what do we really mean by a near-peer competitor? Particularly, we see this in the homeland as we do our homeland defense planning initiatives. Is It's fundamentally different. It's a fundamentally different threat that we're going to be facing today and even into the future. And as you work through that, I just, I appreciate the effort that you're making and staying after it because in terms of changing worldviews, it does take time. Reflecting back on your first year at AUSA, sir, what do you, where do you think you're at and what do you think the next 10 years are going to hold for you there? Yeah, let's back up a little bit. I, I think what people have to understand is that the nature of war is going to be different because it's not going to be static like we're seeing in, in Russia and Ukraine, that conflict there, that unprovoked conflict, but it's going to be worldwide, literally worldwide. So your mission said about defense support to civil authorities. You, we got to think about how we really going to have to protect our installations from fort to port to area of operation. So people are not going to allow us to just get into places and do and build up like we did for Desert Shield, Desert Storm, or even OIF-1. They're not going to allow us to do that. So we got to be prepared to to think about that mission set. So our installations as power projection platforms are going to be more important. And even on top of that, the point we're talking about strategic communications, we have to have a plan to deal with it today. Because if we don't have a, a plan to deal with it, even before we start operations, we're going to lose the fight because you're going to see it in social media. We don't have a counter to that. We're in trouble. So I would just tell you for all your listeners you got a plan for what's going to happen from fort to port to area of operation and the whole con continuum of operations. Uh, right now, we're in the competition phase. And if you're not competing, you're losing. So we all have to learn to, to compete even in, the, in your information space that we're talking about today. No, you're absolutely right, sir. And as they talk about the homeland not being a sanctuary, right? So as we right. conduct operations forward, it, it would yep. be... It would be, I think, a malpractice for us to think that our competitors aren't trying to do the same things in our space. Yep. Absolutely. We need to keep telling that story because it's a very dangerous world. When you look at, look at you know, where we are today, I think historically, we're probably closer to 1913 than we are, I would say. The, the 2023. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I, of, uh, yeah. That's a very good point. I, I will also tell you that as you, the point you talked about, what are we doing here at AUSA? So everything we talked about is what we talk about here at a Association of United States Army. So we're talking about how do we take our center for leadership that we stood up because we know that there's a, there's a, a demand, there's a hunger for leadership. So we're going to help the army develop leadership, acumen, the leadership skills, we're in big demand at the brigade and below level at our ROTC, at active duty National Guard. 
these guys are, are all over the place doing a lot of different things because we know it's there. We know those papers that we talked about that talk about one year in into Ukraine, lessons learned, publishing papers that the U.S. Army Pacific Commander did just prior to the Land Forces Pacific Conference, which was attended, 24 countries attended with, I think, about 14 to the 17 actual chiefs from those forces in the Pacific area talking about their concerns. AUSA was, was is the only organization that could have brought all of those together in a place to have the dialogue, to have the discussion that's needed. And I think even more than ever before, we're going to have to do it. I went to a conference last week and it was on what I didn't think it was defense related, but it was we were talking about energy. We were talking about water. We were talking about infrastructure, which are all things that we know that's going to be in big demand as we know most of our next conflicts are going to be in and around the coast where all our people around the world live, not just in the United States. Absolutely. It's a big demand. And even as you look at the news cycle, incredibly vulnerable to potential potential threats in the information yeah. space. If That's I can right. just, if I can quickly just shift gears, I want to turn it over to Seth, get this NCO perspective and get an idea of some questions from him. Yeah, I love my non-commissioned officers. That's why I'm the officer I am today. I love that, sir. You're teeing me up pretty pretty easy, but I'm going to back it up to something you said. Um, so I'm public affairs, so strategic communication is my lane. I'm, I'm finishing my master's right now, two classes okay. short of strategic communication. It's something that I'm passionate about. And, and there's something that hit me. We all need to tell the Army story. And I, I compare that to maybe this is just a comment, but I'll let you uh, expand on it. So we, you said that we should not leave it all up to the recruiters, and I totally agree. And that's because when, when you're a recruiter or when you're approached by a recruiter, there's something there to sell almost. Yeah. And that is their job, and they're good at it. But yeah. it, it's also our job to tell the story and compare it to when you're actively looking to buy a car, you're a little bit skeptical of those selling you the car because you, you know that yeah. they have a mission to, to meet or their livelihood yeah. depends on it. I appreciate and I tell my troops, and we were just out in the great, a great event for 12 days, 11 days here in San Antonio, which was Fiesta 2023 in San Antonio. Right. And we told and we briefed the soldiers that were going out to walk the parades with General Evans and Sergeant Major Gann going to different dinners or galas, we told them, you need to tell the story. And they, they came back and weren't receptive at first because they were asking, hey, why? That's not my job. It's recruiters need to recruit. No, we need to tell a story because people are more receptive when they don't necessarily aren't seeking that information, but they're getting it anyway. And so I really appreciated yeah. you bringing that up. Yeah, th there's something different about you. There's something different about you, Seth, and me and, and Brother Lavin there. And people want to know. They want to say, okay, what's different about this guy? We've all been to graduations, basic combat training, advanced individual training graduations, and the parents are saying, what? What did you do? And so what we have to tell them is, this is what's going to happen. You're going to change. My daughter is in medical school now, and she went to training. And my wife, even she's been around for 35 years, she's oh my gosh, what happened? Because we know the transformation that happens. And that's the story that we all have to tell about, not the recruiter story, but our story. Because each one of them is unique. Each one of them is special. And then each one has the ability to reach somebody to help them achieve their goals. I'm not, I ain't going to interview you guys, but just think about it. Who was that person who said, hey, have you ever thought about this? And you just listen and look at you now. Almost done with your master's degree and strategic communications. Think about that. Yeah, it's, it's great. 
for me, it was a high school ROTC guy. This is what are you going to do, Cadet Smith? I don't know. You ever thought about joining the Georgia National Guard? Think about what would have happened if that senior army instructor, now that I know how much time and effort they put into it, and junior ROTC took the time to say, what are you thinking about doing? Man, where would I be today? I don't know. I tell you, the Georgia Southern University wouldn't have, uh, I think, a professor for their business school talking about leadership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's why we have to tell the story. And it's, and I, again, I, I don't know how old you guys, you've got kids, how old they are, but it is not just them. It is all these young people at this age. So I bring, I bring kids along with my kids along and say, hey, look, let me show you what these options and opportunities are. And again, it's just not military service. I think we as a nation need to, to look at how can we help serve each other more, serve each other better to do the things that we need to do. It, it's so important. I was at an event Sunday where in my fraternity, I'm a, a member of Kappa Alpha Psi. We're going to have 70, think about this, 70 young men go camping this summer for a week out in Northern Virginia, out in a, a Boy Scout camp for a whole week. No phones. Think about that. No phones, and they're going to actually make it through the week. 30 years we've been doing this. Is that the Boy Scout Jamboree, sir? It's not the Boy Scout Jamboree, but it's similar to that. Our fraternity has been starting to have this thing called Camp Kappa every year. And it started out for getting inner city youth, young men, the opportunity to do things. So they had different nights. One night they had, they have one, one during the day, they have a, a, a mock engagement with the law enforcement person. And it's done by a former retired Superior Court judge. So they bring them in the courtroom. They go through a court trial. I was, wow, this is so cool. And so I would come in at night to talk about military service, about building trust in organizations. We get down and do some push-ups. You cannot be what you can't see. So if you see a, a three-star general, a retired three-star general, wow, I can be that one day. But it's important for us to talk about what those things are and just take the time to counsel kids and counsel young men about what the options and opportunities are. That's why... At every level, we're talking about strategic communication from the national level all the way down to one-on-one that we got to do with young people. I haven't heard that before. That's awesome. You can't be what you can't see. So that, that You cannot. Indicates Think about presence. It, presence is important. Yeah. You want to hear another one? I do. I... A latest presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C, only matters when you're present. P-R-E-S-E-N-T. Huh. So Brother Lavin knows this. Anytime that I would talk to you, you would be like, man, this guy's boring into me. Yeah, because I'm paying attention to you. Because you're the most important thing that we're talking about right now. It could be all heck going on because we have to show people what we expect from them. That's what a leader's responsibility is, is to show how they follow you, right, via how you act. If you treat everybody with dignity and respect, your command will be one that does that. And then they'll grow up and be like you if they take that on to do the things they need to do. I agree, sir. I wholeheartedly agree. Now, switching gears, but it's related. So a big uh, tenet of... Strategic communication is organizational behavior. You don't talk to everyone the same way, nor should you, because right. everyone receives the message differently. That's so right. What I would ask you is, in your relationship with your non-commissioned officers during your career, how did they support you and how do you utilize mm -hmm. them to deliver your message sometimes when they might be the, the correct medium to deliver the message? Yeah, that's very good. Hey, sorry, Brian. I, I will tell you, I am, I'm not kidding. I am the officer that I am now, retired officer I am, is because of non-commissioned officers. I learned 
a long time ago to listen to them, to emulate them, to copy them, and just use really the whole two. You got to use the whole team, but especially your non-commissioned officers to get to the root cause of the problem. Officers, we're doing our planning stuff, blah, blah, blah. NCOs are coming in the room and say, hey, this is what the standard is. This is what we got to do. What are your questions? Move out. That's right. Oh, okay. To that. But the point is, as a leader, we have to understand strengths and weaknesses of everybody that's on our team. And then you got to be comfortable in knowing what role and part that you have to play because you can't do everything. Excuse me, nor should you do everything. And the only way you can accomplish the higher you go and in, in levels of, of experience is, is, is by helping, allowing your non-commissioned officers to have the power and position that they need in order to accomplish the mission. So I would I always tell my soldiers, if it's a soldier discussion, a soldier issue, hey, have you talked to the Sergeant Major about this yet? You can talk to me all day, but if you haven't talked to him, please do. We'll talk, we'll sync it back together, and we'll make sure that, that those things happen. Because when you empower leaders, that's how you succeed in what you do. You, you brought up Sergeant Major, and, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I wanted to ask you today about your podcast that you've got with the former Sergeant Major of the Army, Dan Daly. Mm-hmm. So how, how did that come about? You guys have some really good chemistry. My favorite episode was on the <laughs> Duffel blog. And, and I, before, before you answer, sir, I have to be honest because he was my fourth ID commander. Don't major. worry. I, I'll be honest. Okay. <laughs> hey, Sergeant Barnard, you know when the fourth ID, that's when the, uh, you had 242 EOD and the, and the 71st EOD that's out there too. So I spent a lot of time at, at Fourth ID and watching those guys go through their things. For the listeners, that was part of the 20th of Bernie, getting those units ready to deploy to all a lot of different places. But how it came up was I've known SMA Dan Daly for a long time. And when you serve in the Pentagon, let me back up a little bit. So when he was a trader out sergeant major, I was a CG of Fort Leonard Wood. So I saw him a lot during that time frame. We interacted a lot there. And then in the Pentagon, he was an SMA when I was the deputy inspector general, then the inspector general. Uh, for for a t- period of time before he left, and so we it was a we had a lot of fun. Pentagon is a unique place. You learn a lot about the army, but you also learn a lot about your peers because there's a lot of pressure associated with that. Because every position uh, has a significance of what they do. Because you're the one. It's not like another IG or another Sergeant Major Army or another G1. It's the one. So you have to work together to accomplish the mission. When I got here to Association of the United States Army, I was glad that he was here because we already had the camaraderie. And what we wanted to do with our podcast, you've seen, to make it interesting, engaging, discussion. So we have a lot of back and forth because that's how we were in the building, giving each other a hard time. But it also helps relax the people who participate on the podcast because sometimes folks are uptight when you got the the SMA and, and the former Inspector General. So we just have fun doing it. And that play off of each other is important because that's how we strategically communicate the message of Association of the United States Army. It's subtle, but it's not because we're very deliberate about talking about how we're there to educate and form connect. I got to be honest here. I thought the Duffel Blog um, episode was, it was, <laughs> I think is a risk in terms of trying yeah. to... Because you've got that space where you're not really sure what message is really resonating and yeah. it could go the other way. Well, yeah, I, I will tell you, that's another point about strategic communication too. As a leader, you got to be willing to take the risk because I will tell you, and I'm going to pull it up right now. I think the Duffel Blog episode is has been the highest episode downloads that we've had to date 
because people want to hear it. I, I don't know if they thought it was going to be something over the top or something. It's you got to be able to talk about you got first you got to be able to laugh at yourself, right? right. And then second, you got to be able to talk about things that are sometimes uncomfortable. Um, we've done that a, a couple, two or three times. Uh, but we, we got to talk about what those things are that we got to do to communicate what those things are for our team. So let me see. Let's see. The Duffel blog download. Let's see where is that. It is still, it's the second largest, highest to date from the ones that we've done since we started it. And the, the newest one of one of the folks from what's not FaceTime, but the show that ladies uh, that we watch lifetime. Jill. Yeah. The, you should listen to that one too. Jill Wagner. Okay. It's a, it's a very good one. Yeah. It's a, the name of what's it, what's in a name, everything. Right. The name, of the daughter army. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. You should listen to it. It's, it's pretty funny, but I, I don't even know how our, our, our folks find all these people. That's another thing about strategic communications. When you communicate to your folks what your intent is without having them having to come back each time, it frees them up to accomplish the mission. And then they're getting after it. That's why you're starting to see all these different topics of people and discussions of folks with the six triple eight battalion. The we, we're working on one for Lieutenant General Retire Arthur Gregg. These are once in a lifetime stories that we gotta tell. And if we don't strategically communicate it, who will? So, sir, I wanted to lead off just with a follow-up question in terms of getting back to the strategic communications as a function of strategy development and planning. And if there's an organization, let's say, who, and doesn't not necessarily a military organization, but you know, maybe an interagency partner, maybe someone from industry, and they just feel like they're just having a, a difficult time in terms of getting their message out, what are some things that you've seen in terms of techniques or methods that has enabled an organization to really get to that next level of communicating their message, what not just their message, but what they want people to know about them. Yeah, I, I think we do. A, um, and it's interesting because I serve on some corporate boards too, and then teaching leadership at Georgia Southern. I always tell people as a leader, it's always important to, to do this, the SWOT analysis, the strength of weaknesses, opportunities, and threats as you prepare the strategic plan and, and keep as many people as you can participating in it. That's how you get your buy-in. I saw General Dempsey do this as a one-star. I think he, I, not think, I knew he he knew where he wanted to go, but he involved all of us commandants. I was a one-star commandant at the time at Fort Leonardwood, and it, it allowed us to see what all those things were, but not only see, but participate in it. And once we saw what the strengths and weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, we knew where we needed to go as an organization. So once you have the buy-in to that's how we communicate it. And so I took that same lesson as a CG of the 20th of Bernie, as a CG of uh, Fort Leonard Wood, as a, the inspector general. And even today, I'm, one of my tasks here is the Association of United States Army's strategic plan, because it helps people not only see itself, but see where you're going to go. And people always want to know where they're going to go, especially military guys, of what things you're going to do. But I would argue, posit that every person wants to know that where you want to go. And that's part of the leader's responsibility is to tell that story. Absolutely. Yes, sir. You know, what are the opportunities, right, that, that we're yes. presenting for them? That's great. That's right. So, so let me just say back to you what I think I've heard you say over the course of the podcast and the, the big ideas. So just now you talked about getting buy-in, but you also talked about 
really defining the problem for the community. And then a minute ago, talking about intent and really understanding and getting the intent out there for what you're trying to achieve and the effects that you're trying to achieve. And it, to me, it, what really boils down to, if I talk about that, we started talking about the tension between what is the audio versus the video. Mm-hmm. Strategic communications has to be generally part and parcel to what you're trying to get at and the culture of your organization. And so if, mm-hmm. it, if it lives outside itself or outside where you're trying to go, so if you have a PAO or a public affairs engagement plan that has nothing to do with where the organization is or what the organization's about, then I think that friction is really just that slow road to failure. Is that kind of a, in a nutshell, what you think the relationships may be or, or where we, we can go? Yeah. yeah. I think the, the you know public affairs strategy is just a strategy that ties into the overall operational plan. Right. Uh, they, they have to understand the operational plan in order to take the public affairs strategy and implement it, but it has to start way to the left of that. So that's what a leader has to make sure that they set the vision direction uh, and guidance for the organization so they understand about how you collaborate. You can't practice collaboration when it's hard. You got to do it when it's easy. And that's why PT physical training is so important because that's a great time. Think about that. First time as a lieutenant, you have to be in charge of physical training. What are you doing? Get with the NCO so you know how to do it. That's right. But it's teaching you how to communicate, right? Or the first time you got to call cadence, something so simple, but it's something that you got to learn to do because you don't want to be embarrassed. But not only that, you want to look good for the organization. Same thing applies in the corporate sector. We as leaders, even here, we have to set the conditions for the people who are going to follow us one day. They might not be the vice president for leadership and education and program, but they should be moving, thinking about what are they going to do next? How can I help facilitate what you're going to do next? Even if it's outside of your organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are they going to do next in terms of you know, their own self-improvement, right? What's the opportunity? Yeah, their jobs, yeah, right. their position yeah. with either within or outside the current organization where you're at. Yeah, and I, I think that goes back to what what you had talked about in terms of telling the Army's story. It's about the opportunity yeah. that the Army gives, regardless of all the unique folks and the unique specific experiences that people are going to have within the Army and who they are. It's all, that opportunity is that sort of that common nexus, that I think, that ties us all together. It's an opportunity to yeah. serve. Yeah, I agree with that. We talked about this, the, uh, about getting the Army message. The other thing I would tell you to your listeners is, as I mentioned before, if you don't have a message, if you don't have a process, just like if you deploy it, you're going to cede the space to something else, right? That's why LinkedIn, I've seen people be so effective on it because I call it the professional Facebook. Right. If you're not talking about what the great things your organization is doing, when something bad happens, you got to be backpedaling all the other things. Talk about all the good things that are happening. This podcast is a great discussion point, great topic. Uh, whatever the points you want to talk about what those things are, because there are good things that are happening every day and we have to communicate what those things are. Yeah. We have to beat the drum of the positive. That's right. Uh, yeah. That helps insulate the negative. I, I learned that from my old brigade commander. Uh, Who's your old brigade uh, commander? John Kulashevsky. So he was, Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Lieutenant good guy. Yep. Yeah. We're going to get him. Yeah, he's got too. a tough mission right now. He does. He's the right guy to do it. You got that right, sir. Sir, we really appreciate your time today. Before we let you go, I wanted to, I guess we ask all of our guests this one question. What is a book that you're either reading or have read in the last, you know, six months to a year? It could be fiction, nonfiction that's been formative to you and that you would recommend to to our listeners. <laughs> that's good. I, I saw the question that. So I will tell you, it's two things. 
So one of them, I, I teach uh, young people Sunday school at church, and and we we started talking about who moved my cheese, and uh, it, it's funny. I laugh about it just now, and I'm like, why did you move? Who moved? My, why do we read who moved my cheese? Because it's all about change, and you, you think about strategic communications is what's next. We can't get comfortable and put up our tennis shoes and our running suits and just get think it's supposed to happen the same way. We always got to be on looking for whatever that new cheese is. What's next? What things do we need to be thinking about? I'm not saying that we're not happy in what we're doing, but we got to be thinking about what's next. Got to be thinking about growing, expanding the things that we're supposed to do. Uh, the the other, other book that we're doing with our leaders here is Good to Great in the Workplace. And that's a, a good topic about how you communicate with each other. It's one difference of saying, hey, instead of saying, hey, I got blah, 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 blah. You can say, hey, do you have a couple of minutes to have a conversation? It really changes the atmosphere of saying, hey, you you respect my time. And so you're going to ask me if I have time to do that. So those are two of the books that that, that I, I've read that just continue. I've read them before, but I just read them here. And I get a lot of books. If you were in my office, you'll see it. we have a great book program. If you haven't seen our, our graphic novels, they're great. They're comic books, but it, we're talking about some heroes. And those things go like hotcakes. And these are Medal of Honor recipients, selfless service people that have done many the ultimate sacrifice. But I could talk about Association of the United States Army all day. We need to have you guys come up here and do a podcast here on site so you can get a chance to see what do what we do. That'd be great, sir. I would certainly look forward to doing that. We'd love to, sir. And so real quick, you said you can get those on the AUSA website as well as your podcast? Yeah, you can pull down and just go to Association of the United States Army dot O-R-G or A-U-S-A dot O-R-G. Once you go to that site, it has all the information that you need. And if you guys need to hit me up, you can find me there too. Well, they can always sign up for their their membership as well if they haven't already. That's right, because you, you know what it is right now? I, I don't. Is there a- the basic membership is free. Did you know that? Huh. I did not know the basic membership sure was free. Yeah, basic membership is free, man. So there's no there's no barrier to entrance to because we think it's so important for our folks, the nation, really, and our soldiers and civilians and family members to know about her army is that we've made a, a basic membership free. So go to AUSA.org, click on basic membership. It doesn't give you all the things as a premium, but it'll get you started. And then we'll, once you see how good it is, you'll definitely become a premium member. All right. Sounds great, sir. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, we sir. We really appreciate you. Appreciate right. your service. Thank you, sir, for yours, sir. Thank you.